Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Ilio Castro Nevis is about to return to the Gold Coast as they prepare to cut their 21st birthday cake. Dunlop's confirmed as the control tyre going forward... And we continue to look back at the season so far as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Dunlop has won the tender to supply V8 supercars with tyres for another five years. The new contract commencing in 2013 will coincide with the introduction of the 18-inch tyre on the car of the future. Dunlop is believed to have beaten out Yokohama for the contract and Kevin Fitzsimmons told the V8 Insiders that it's still a big job ahead to get the 18-inch tyre ready for the car of the future. There's significant challenges to make it work and to make it live. Um, and we've got to do our job and then pass the information on as quick as we can to the teams and everything. So there will definitely be a, a considerable amount of development needed to get that package working right. As always, safety is at the front of Dunlop's mind. Safety is the absolute priority um, with, the, with the whole thing. So we've got to get it safe and get it working, you know, smooth, consistent transition for the teams. Um, so the, there's going to be a, a lot of water to go under the bridge when we start hitting the ground running with this stuff. Helio Castro Nevis, the three times Indianapolis 500 winner, also made headlines when he won the US version of Dancing with the Stars back in 2007, has made his announcement that he's returning with young gun Tim Slade to join us at the Gold Coast. Slade, naturally happy to get Castro Nevis back. Probably one of the key parts to um, to having some success at the Gold Coast race is, is continuity with your teammate. Um, you know, driven our cars now and uh, he was all comfortable and, and driven the circuit so it'd be great to, to have him back for the second year and get a lot of those learning uh, or a lot of that learning process out of the way. Castro Nevis has been part of the all-conquering Team Penske stable since 2000 and V8 boss Ross Stone is a fan of the flamboyant Brazilian. Driving for Penske as long as what he has without being a class act and, and it's just a privilege to have him drive for us. In other signings news now... British GT sports car race Oliver Gavin and former British Touring Car Championship Fabrizio Giovanni are the latest drivers to sign up for the Gold Coast 600. Oliver with Murphy and Giovanni back with Brad Jones racing for another year. FPR has put out a report card for their season so far and not surprisingly it's focused on the future following a bumpy first half. Tim Edwards said the team is particularly focused on Phillip Island and Bathurst. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Dan Crane from Stone Brothers Racing will talk tech. On the white flag lap, you'll hear what happens when I don't ask the right questions to our guests. I hope you stay with us. 
News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Dan Crank joins us on the line here as we talk tech once again. And, uh, well, Stone Brothers Racing, like all the teams up and down pit lane, have got walls of monitors and television screens that the engineers are sitting there looking at. I thought I'd ask you, what are you actually looking for and looking at in particular when you're looking at all those computer screens? Well, that's a um, that's a very good question, Craig. It's a, as you mentioned, it's quite a plethora of information. It's uh, very easy to get confused, and I suppose when you first start out in, in the sport and you start looking at it, you, d- you just don't know which way to look because there's information coming at your left, right, and centre. But it really comes down to what session we're sort of um, in at the time. Obviously, we look at different things during our practice sessions, our qualifying sessions, and then our race because uh, basically we've got different factors that we can influence from where we sit during those sessions. So that really determines the information that we seek um, to obviously improve our performance um, as quickly as possible. It's often said by drivers that engineers know more what's going on about in the car than they do, yet they're the ones that feel what happens how do what? you how do you how do you handle those sorts of answers where the driver just goes, "I know what you're looking at, but that's not what it feels like." Well, I guess that's what uh, all that information's for. I mean, we have uh, many channels of uh, information, stuff that comes back from the engine to make sure we've got reliability uh, spot on, as well as we've got all our performance and driver related inputs and outputs, if you like, you know, like our speed, our steering, our throttles, our brake pressures, our gears. So like you said, we can tell pretty much what's happening with the car uh, from our point of view, as well as what the driver says. So we basically, we do our job to try and marry up what he's saying and uh, get the best out of the car. But sometimes it's also the information we've got will tell us we're slow in a particular section of track and the driver won't even realise that that's where our weakest area is. And it obviously turns them around to think about a different aspect of the track of the car to try and improve the overall performance versus our competitors. What percentage do you look at, or what percentage is it, when you're evaluating a change to the car over the monitors and the data and what the driver says? Well, I guess it depends on the problem we're trying to cure, but if it's a chassis imbalance, uh, generally the information we get back that helps us is our corner speeds, as well as our time over each of the little split sectors in the track where the track's uh, divided up into many little segments which give um, increments of time versus the lap time. So for us, we use those channels of data primarily to get our own, we'll make our own judgment on whether the change we've instigated has improved the car. 
then obviously the outright lap time and what the driver thinks he's feeling will also determine uh, whether we stick with it or we need to take a different direction. Now, it's very rare in this day and age that a driver calls a pit stop. In years gone by, it was basically the driver told the crew chief when he was coming down pit lane. But nowadays, you are actually looking at not only when you're going to pit him for various reasons, technical reasons, but you're also looking when to pit him because your computers can tell you when you can give him the best return out on the racetrack. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, when it comes down to strategy, there's, there's lots of factors involved, which obviously uh, how, how well your tyres are hanging in there, uh, how well you're, uh, or how fast you are against the other cars that you're racing against, as well as, like you said, uh, basically our fuel usage, as well as um, how much we've got left to put in before the end of the race. So we use all those factors to make the decision of when to pit, but um, it's actually not too uncommon that sometimes the driver will make the call. They'll quite often tell you uh, when they think the tyres have really lost their uh, available grip, and um, it then becomes a decision of whether we're going to stick to our plan and uh, they have to just cont- uh, deal with it the best they can or we go and alter our plan on the run and uh, get them in and do our pit stop and get them back out there with some fresh rubber and uh, topped off with fuel. But a driver being a driver, he'd want brand new rubber every 10 laps because that's when the performance starts to die. Oh, most definitely. I mean, they, they always want the car to feel the best they can, but I think they also, they, they're getting quite good these days. They realise the penalty or the time lost uh, driving down pit lane as well as a pit stop doesn't always, uh, you know, while it will improve the lap time a few seconds, the overall game come the end of the race, you'll uh, you'll be behind a fairly large deficit. You'll never make it up. So they're, um, they sit on our, in our little meetings and stuff before we race, and they're, they're fully aware, or as much as they can be aware, of the decisions that we're faced with and the information that we've got to deal with um, on the other side of the radio. When do you get into that moment where you've just got to go, suck it up, princess, you're staying out there? Oh, definitely. It ha- it happens quite a lot. And, um, you know, it-, it can get a little bit heated in a good way from both ends of the radio. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, once the chequered flag drops, we- we've all know that we've uh, made the best decision we possibly could at that moment in time with the information we had in front of us. And, uh, you know, we-, we walk away from that and... Um, you know, just have a think about it in case there's something we could have done better for next time. Mm. As you look forward to going to Queensland Raceway after this break, and we say break, but I guess you guys don't get much of a break. <laughs> yeah, I always like that term, break. The, the, the media sort of bandy around a little bit. Um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely 100% spot on there. It's not too much of a break for, uh, for most of the teams. Um, a few teams have already conducted some test days. Uh, Stone Brothers Racing, we've got our next test day uh, early next week at Queensland Raceway, which will obviously lead into the round. And uh, we've actually got a, a sponsorship uh, ride day down at Eastern Creek in the middle of this week that all three of our cars and our whole race team are um, attending. So, yeah, while it's been a long time between drinks between Townsville and the Queensland Raceway event, um, for all the teams, though, we're um, working as hard as ever to try and you know, tick a few boxes and improve our overall pace. Have you, as uh, as the head of the Irwin Racing Team uh, effort, have you been working through getting guys to actually have a week off and, and getting guys with their families for a little bit of time because there is an extended period between races, or you just can't afford that? Oh, no, look, most definitely. You know, it's a, we, we're a very flexible team. Um, you know, come the end of the year, post-Bathurst, it's going to get very busy racing every two weeks. 
and uh, we've got quite a few guys who've taken a few extra days off here and there, and a few guys who even take some taken some uh, annual leave in this period. And you know, as, as a large organisation like all the teams do, you know, um, you tend to employ staff which are a little bit flexible. So when one or two people uh, aren't present at the workshop, there's generally people who can uh, pick up the majority of their workload. And uh, we just carry on with what we're doing. Mm. Well, Dan, we look forward to catching up with you in Queensland and uh, look forward to chatting to you again soon on the V8 Insiders. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Craig. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from P101 Publishing, the man that's getting plenty of press for his straight shooter book. Of course, Matthew Lloyd, I don't think he ever did any motor racing there, Andrew Clark. No, no, and no, I've been in the car with him and I don't think he would be able to either. But uh, we might try and have a crack at getting him in a V8 supercar for uh, media rides at Phillip Island. I think that could be interesting. Well, he's a man that never swears. Adrian Mussolino joins us from V8X Magazine. I don't know. Uh, I've never heard you swear either. Uh, not that I know of, no. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys looking forward to in the second half of this season, Adrian? Because it's been an interesting start. How do you think it's going to finish? Uh, interesting. It's, um, I think all eyes will be on Craig Lowndes for me um, because we saw his form at the Enduros last year with Mark Scaife. They're the form guys heading into those two races and the favourites for Philip Holland and Bathurst, and if wants to see. Andrew? Well, I'm certainly with Adrian. I think that, you know, seeing if Craig can hunt down Jamie would be uh, interesting in itself, but uh, perhaps, you know, uh, we, we might see a, a DNF or two to those guys and it'll open up the championship as well, because I think if you look at that uh, range from three down to about ten, it's as hot as it comes in terms of, you know, how many points are splitting the guys, so... You know, I think there's a couple of guys sitting there, you know, your Van Gisbergens and uh, even Steve Johnson, who I spoke to yesterday, you know, he's sitting there hoping that, you know, with a bit of luck and a Bathurst win and a failure to win a couple of Lounds and, uh, you know, the game's open again. So it's really, to me, about watching Lounds, but also watching to see who else can pop up and, uh, you know, and make a name for themselves and perhaps set up their 2012. Now, is it still a case of it's Jamie Wincup's championship to lose, Adrian? I think so, especially given what happened last year. Um, you when you speak to Jamie, there's a sense of last year was the one that got away and he wants to make amends. And the reality is he has this points buffer. He has the form on Craig Grounds over the course of the championship year, given what's happened in the last few seasons. So I definitely think it's wink up to lose. The, the question mark in all that is Andrew Thompson, given that here we have an inexperienced not so much a rookie, but very much an experienced driver being put in a championship position where, you know, it's all up for him at Island to get the job done for Jamie. And I think that's probably a big question mark for Jamie at the minute, but I think definitely he's in pole position. Andrew, 
is the Lounge Scaife partnership the most rock solid one in those two enduros field? Um, from cursory glance, you'd say yeah. Um, I mean, I think that uh, Frosty and Steve Richards is going to be pretty strong as well. Um, but you know, like you look at the two of them, you know, Lounge and and Scaife, and well, they got like yeah, uh, what is it, six about nine, eleven, nine or eleven bassists between the two of them. Um, staggering track record of success. Um, staggering popularity between the two of them. So, you know, Roland Dana will be selling more T-shirts than he can count on his abacus. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a very solid combination, but I don't think that it means that there aren't others that can do it. As I say, I like, you know, I like the look of, uh, of Frosty and Steve Richards, and, uh, you know, I think there's other ones as well, you know, with part-timers and drivers who've, who've had their hand in the pie but aren't in, the, in there anymore who are going to do well. Neither of you two have been talking HRT. Are they any sort of chance, Andrew? I think HRT is always a chance, you know. Um, the problem is you just don't know which HRT you're getting on with every day. Um, you know, you sit back and you say, you know, have the changes they've done got the rewards? And they'd say, no, they haven't got them yet, but maybe they will get them over the next few weeks. Um, but who knows? As I say, you, you just don't know with that team. You know that on their day, they're going to be as fast as anybody. I mean, Garth Candace as quick as they come. Um, James Courtney's proven, proven person, a proven performer. Um, you've got great people in the team. You've got great resources. You've got great money at the end of the day. So, you know, they can do it. But, you know, which team turns up? Adrian, what's your thoughts on the Definitely. HRD? And that could turn around their season. Um, once performance at Bathurst and all of a sudden things are back for HRT and I wouldn't rule them out. I thought that we saw last two years ago when Garth Tander won up there and how strong he was that weekend. I don't think we can rule them out at all. And I don't think we should rule out Garth Tander as well. I think we saw in Townsville, you know, really strong performance there. Without doubt, HRT bounced back after that difficult round at Darwin, and I think they're probably one of the dark horses for the second half of the season in terms of richest race wins. Mm. Now, it's interesting, but uh, we saw last week some pictures released on the car of the future in Queensland. I have to think that uh, we are going to see more of these cars out on the circuits getting wound up towards the uh, big launch coming up at Bathurst. But what's been your thoughts on what you've seen of these new cars, Adrian? For me, it was good to, good to see that the pictures got out there because I think there's a real misconception about the fans that it's Car of the Future is this NASCAR-style silhouette that all the cars are going to look alike and it's not going to look like a true V8 supercar. But judging from those pictures from Queensland Raceway, they look very similar to what we've got now and I don't think there will be this major change that the fans have anything to be concerned about. So I think that's good in one sense. I think it will change the perception. They actually do like pro- do look like proper V8 supercars and that's what matters most to the fans. Andrew, you reckon that's right? Yeah, I, I'm totally with Adrian there. I mean, I think in a marketing point of view, you know, the retaining the retention of the, the current body shell and the, the wing setup and all of those things were important in that transition. Um, personally, I'd still back off the aero downforce, but that's a, a discussion we can have in a few minutes when we get onto one of our later topics. Uh, but yeah, I think you know, um, releasing them, the fact that V8 supercars uh, followed up by running them on their own website after the Telegraph put them in their newspaper, um, shows that they're pretty keen to get the messages out there as well. You know, the body is the same; it's underneath that matters. Um, and you know, I'm still very positive about cars in the future. I think I think it's a great thing. You know, the safety advances that are being put in place to me. 
uh, are far more important than any of the cost savings because I think you create a cost saving. Um, big teams like Roland Dane or whatever, uh, they'll just find another way to spend it. So you're not actually going to change the cost base of running the sport by making your car cheaper to build. Um, what you're going to do, hopefully, is you're going to get some improved safety features and you know maybe a few extra aspects that uh, you know, that make crash repairs a little bit easier. So you're not seeing people up till midnight trying to fix a car um, on a race weekend. Hopefully, they've got a second car in the garage that they can just wheel out. It's time for guess and go here on the V8 Insiders. Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Gas and Go brought to you by V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine on sale now with the juggernaut of Triple Eight on the cover. Interestingly, Andrew Clark, that in this uh, well, in this environment, Russell Ingall saying he's confident of keeping his sponsor Super Cheap Auto. But, well, I guess now that uh, AAA aren't going to eat up Paul Morris Motorsport, there might be some cars there, but there has been a lot of speculation that the Enforcer and the Dude might part ways at the end of the year. I think Ingall's in the, uh, in the point of his career where he's got to make some... You know, every decision he makes now is absolutely critical. If he makes a wrong one, there's no um, room for him to recover because he's got no time left on the clock, in a sense. Um, be grateful to see him disappear from the sport in a in a in a blaze of nothingness. Um, if he's got his sponsor, he'll have a drive, no doubt at all. Um, you know, whether it's with uh, Paul Morris or whether it's with somebody else, uh, you know, we'll just have to sit back and and wait and see. My gut feel would be that it would stay the same. Adrian, yeah, the the, the big um, key there is the Chief Auto, who seemed to be pretty happy with um, Jimmy Ingle. Where they'll end up, I'm not too sure. There's a lot of discussion linking them with Brad Jones Racing, which um, would make sense given that Brad Jones potentially has an opening there for a sponsor. But I think we will see Russell and Gorn the grid to one more full-time season in 2012. Mm. Now, the 18-inch tyre is not far away from being announced. Who will be the control manufacturer of it? Do we still need a control tyre in V8 supercars, Adrian? Uh, yes, we do. I think uh, Dunlop was announced today, and I think that's really important. That's the way motorsport categories around the world are going about it, the cost reduction, and it makes sense. I think the issue there is the hard, soft hard balance, and I think that needs to be addressed because still confusing fans, I think, and there needs to be a better, better way to um, express to the fans which side um, a car is on at a certain point, and I think that's the issue that Dunlop needs to address. Mm. Andrew, I'm personally not a fan of control tyres because you know I think it takes away an element of the sport that creates variation. Um, you know the only way you get overtaking is by having two cars travelling at different speeds at the same time, um, and I think that you know with tyres you can do that. I mean, you know if you allowed two or three tyre manufacturers into the sport, they have to supply a certain number of cars, um, and they have to do it on the same fee basis to each team so you know I think you could say that each team you cannot have a tyre company as a sponsor um, and that you have to supply identical tyres across the field to each one of your of your um, your teams mm. um, and I think you could do that and I think you could make some variation um, as I said you know, the, the only way you get overtaking is by allowing the creation of, uh, of different speeds and you know when you're running a parity formula where the wings are the same where every part of the car is is optimised to give you the same lap time, how do you achieve that? And, you know, I think a tyre war is a great way of doing that. 
also with uh, Bridgestone not on Holden's now. We've got Goodyear's and Dunlop's, which are, of course, the same company. Maybe we could have two different sets of sticker kits on the tyres and uh, at least promote a tyre war that way. Andrew? Oh, that's one way, but it doesn't really give you much. I think, you know, like I used to love the days when you, you'd wander along uh, the grid checking out what tyre compounds each different tyre manufacturer was running on a given day, you know, when, you know, you could run Dunlop D18s and other things, you know, you could run soft and hard Dunlops and, you know, or you could be running certain Bridgestones and things. And, you know, I really loved those days. It was, you know, it gave me something to do with a journey, something real to uh, to try and understand and try and, you know, bring across to the people reading my stories. And, I, you know, I kind of miss that aspect of it. I miss the variation. I mean, everybody runs the same wing settings. Everybody's running the same tyre strategy. Everybody's doing the same thing. You know, you build a vanilla sport and, the, you know, vanilla sport isn't going to rate and that's one of the reasons why you're seeing TV ratings and things a little bit down at the moment because, you know, it's just a bit too vanilla side. Mm. Will Coulthard keep his job at Walkinshaw, Andrew? Uh, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't. I mean, I don't think you can blame him for what's going on there. Um, you know, he's a, he's a good bloke. He's popular. He's nice. Um, you know, what are your other options? I mean, if he gets Nag Lee Holdsworth, maybe, but, uh, you know... Um, you've got to look at what your options are and, uh, you know, is there anything better out there you can slot into the seat? Adrian? I think the key point there is how badly do Walkinshaw watch Lee Holdsworth, I think. Um, if they really go after him, then that becomes a possibility. But from Lee's perspective, would you rather stay as a sort of unofficial lead driver at Gary Rogers or be the sort of third wheel at, at Walkinshaw? I think that's... Uh, Oliver Gavin will partner Greg Murphy at the Gold Coast, Adrian. Yeah, uh, one of the many sports car drivers who's um, gotten a gig for the Gold Coast 600. That seems to be the trend following on from Patrick Long's success last year. And look, it's not the star name that we sort of wanted for that event. Um, it's not a Jack Villeneuve, for example, but that's the reality when we've got 28 seats to fill. Um, you know he'll be a, he'll be a good driver. He has lots of experience, and that sports car background will hold him in good stead. Andrew, yeah, I give that one a pick. <laughs> Andrew, will the Kiwi Super Team of the Giz and Dixon be the one to be? Ah, oh, who knows? I mean, you'd think it'd be uh, beginning pretty hard. I mean, um, Giz had a great race there last year. No doubt the SBR cars are on form. Um, Dixon's talented. Giz is talented. Um, is it the one to beat? That's always open for debate, but it's certainly going to be one of the lead contenders. That's Gus and Go for another week here. Oh, hey, sorry, Adrian. Oh, that's okay. I was just going to say, I'd, I'd, I'm putting my money on the sports car drivers because I think they have the runs on the board in terms of rear-wheel drive V8s. IndyCar drivers, they're the star names there, but I don't think they'll be the ones shining on, on the track. That's V8 Insiders Gas and Go for another week. Brought to you by V8X Magazine. Gas and Go is brought to you by the V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Adrian and Andrew will stay with us right after the break here on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. 
showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Craig Reville joined by Andrew Clark and Adrian Mussolino. And, of course, uh, V8X... Both of you have uh, done a fair bit of writing for them over the years. What do you think about this reality TV show? Is V8 Showdown going to break through to that non-motorsport market, Andrew? Uh, I think potentially it could do a little bit, but uh, you know, being tucked away on seven, mate, on a Sunday afternoon, I'm not so sure it's really going to get much market penetration. Um, the prize isn't huge. I mean, it's only a driver practice. There's no cash component attached to it. Um, and the one thing we haven't seen yet is how does the eviction process happen? So, you know, are you going to tap into that that heartbreaking thing when people are going to be bawling their eyes out and, you know, they're going to have a big, big heartbeat-sounding music in the background and all of those kind of things? So, you know, I think there's a lot to be seen yet. Um, the first episode, I thought it was OK. Um, you know, I expected perhaps a little bit more, I suppose, but, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it might have been. But uh, I'm really waiting to see what the next few episodes bring about and uh, the thing that did impress me actually was I actually thought Rick Kelly came across really well in it um, you know and he's a bloke who just continues to impress me with how well he's growing in the sport Adrian I think the issue there um, is the time slot 5 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon um, on 7 mate um, I missed it for example because I had other stuff on at that time but I caught it today and you know yeah it was okay reality TV really isn't my thing but I thought it did a good job, and it sort of—I think it will help um, expose the sport to a new market. And I think the behind-the-scenes stuff is really good as well. It should just be inside the team factory, for example. That's not something the fans get to see quite often. So I think um, fans will like that aspect of it as well. One thing it's going to do yeah. is it's going to really work for Jack Daniels, who were definitely plastered, and of course Pepsi Max and Stratco got some good runs there as well. So it's not going to hurt their sponsorship. Uh, re-signings next time round. Andrew? And don't forget Shannon's, you know, it's got to be nice for them. Yes. But I think, yeah, the thing to me with it is that, you know, I think having Grant Denier as the host and then the co-driver at Bathurst, I'm not sure how how that link's going to work in a sense. That's that's my only real concern on that front, but you know, I, I, it'd be great to see it and I say, like, you know, I'm an open book on it at the moment. I'm sitting back and I'm waiting to see where it pans out and, you know, how exciting they can make the concept because I think a reality motorsport TV show you know, you should be able to create a gangbuster out of it. Mm. Well, we'll see how it develops over the next 10 weeks. Where can V8 supercars look to build motorsport fans, not event junkies that we are starting to see with our rock and race format? Adrian, do they need to build motorsport fans or is event junkies enough to sustain Australian top-level motorsport? No, they, they definitely need to expand the fan base, um, and, and that's the that's the real difficulty that the supercars faces. You know, on one hand, they're always going to struggle as a motorsport category because we're all raised in this sport, loving um, <coughs> raised in this country, loving the footy codes and the ball sport and the cricket and tennis and motorsport. Um, we're always going to struggle to compete against them because there's always going to be that element in society which doesn't consider it a sport. But I think, as we said, the rock and race format is a start because it brings a new audience into the actual track. Um, I think they just need to, 
you know, keep chipping away. I think they're doing a good job of it at the moment. It's a very difficult ask. Andrew? Oh, I think they've got to actually have a look at the quality of the racing that's going on. And, you know, if you want to create a big spectacle, you're going to have to allow some biffing and barging. You're going to have to, you know, allow the things to get people on their feet. I mean, you go and watch a footy game and, you know, like on the weekend, I mean, you would have watched it on Telecraig, you know, that big mark in the goal square and next thing you know, you know, 70,000 people are standing on their feet. Um, the only other way you get people on the feet like that at football is a goal or a big fight. You know, so you need to allow that to happen in car racing and you've got to find a way to do it. And you look at Formula One this year with the DRS and the uh, and the curve system, you know, and the overtaking that's coming in there. And, you know, you're seeing some great racing in that sport. Um, in V8 supercars, you're still seeing a lot of Indian-style racing. Yeah, it's all close and, yeah, it's all Liz, but you're not seeing a lot of overtaking for the lead. You're not seeing people biffing and barging and rubbing panels, the sort of thing that, you know, in the old days, yeah, we'd stand up and scream and shout about. Um, and I kind of understand the need that you, you know, because of those people sucked into it. You've got to get people, you know, living and breathing motorsport, wanting to, to buy magazines and, and understand the sport because that's how you build it. Um, and you've got to get away from, you know, some of the, the boring nature of the uh, of the TV telecasts, which I think uh, are just... They haven't changed in 10 years, and I think you need to start seeing some differences. We need to start saying that, you know... Spending a lot of money to get Guns N' Roses or Cold Chisel or ZZ Top or whatever isn't actually building the sport. It might, you know, make a little bit of money for the team owners, but it is not building the sport for the future. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, if you really wanted to see what can happen when you let the drivers decide what's right and wrong, just look at IndyCars this year because uh, certainly at Edmonton, which reminded me a lot of the Gold Coast circuit, Adrian, they uh, certainly didn't mince their words in the pit lane after they'd been wrecked out of the race. You know, speaking from a media perspective, it would make our job a lot easier if the V8 drivers were sort of, um, you know, unleashed a little bit and allowed to speak to minds, and that would then generate more press in the media, uh, more mainstream press, and therefore in the mainstream Australia, and that will sort of have a, an effect on, on interest in the sport. And I think that's an issue one V8 supercars needs to address. And what? just to land on the point there, I think... Formula One sort of changed the game this year with all the DRS and the curves and the soft tyres which go off after a few laps. And it's really become very entertaining and it'll be interesting to see in the coming years what V8 supercars do to sort of try and match that because that's sort of setting a new standard for entertainment. Mm. It is an interesting time ahead and you'll be reading about it in VRX magazine with Andrew Clark and Adrian Mussolino, I'm sure. Guys, thanks for your time joining me here on V8 Insiders this week. No worries, guys, thanks. After the break, we have the white flag lap, which uh, it's quite interesting because occasionally I don't ask the questions the guests are expecting. You find out what I should have asked last week in this week's white flag lap. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's Y Flag Lap, we go back to last week when we had Jacob Black and Chris Jewell on the show. Here's what happened after I wrapped up. Thanks very much for that, guys. I appreciate it. 
I did all my Thank research you. on what are you looking forward to in the second half of the season. I thought you'd done it already. You never even said it. Oh, I thought... Yeah, in the order you gave me that. here, we never did one thing in the order you gave me. Did you send through another menu of... of no, um, no, I, um, no, I didn't. I, I didn't just... to say what I was looking forward to either, and I was going to make some big Bathurst calls. Oh, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, prep. I, I, I just made up on the bit. Uh, okay, well, hold on, I'll start the tape again. This is <laughs> It's live on tape, guys. You're not telling me that you forgot that question, are you? No, I just was looking at time and thought, uh, I'll drop that question, but since that's the one you're all prepped for, we'll go. <laughs> we'll start with Jacob. You're probably filling everything I want to say. No, we'll start with you then. Good. <laughs> okay, so what are you looking forward to as we move on here? What are you looking forward to in the second half of the year, Chris Jewell? Four specifics. Craig Lowndes versus Jamie Wincup. Craig Lowndes has never been closer to Jamie Wincup in the last five seasons in the championship at this point of the year. And we all know how good he is in the long-distance races uh, in the second half of the year. So I think the battle in the team uh, Vodafone Commodores is going to be a battle we've not previously seen and one that will go all the way to the end of the season. The Garth Tander versus James Courtney travelling roadshow continues the pace. Tander now having scored two victories to James Courtney's one. Uh, I think James Courtney will somehow find the extra drive that he needs to find in order to take on Garth Tander in the second half of the year. Maybe not in a scenario where he can displace Tander in the point score, but one more win and they're two each, and won't that make from some interesting observations as we head towards Gold Coast and the remaining three or four rounds thereafter. Long distance races, well, you know, that's the most intriguing part of the year, be it Phillip Island's uh, you know, warm-up endurance race in, uh, in September and obviously the Super Chip Auto Bathurst 1000. Uh, so many combinations that could win and it's going to come down to the capabilities of the co-drivers as opposed to what the lead drivers can do. The race will be won and lost on how good your co-driver will be and a lot of pressure on some names that haven't ever led races at that magnitude, specifically Andrew Thompson who will be expected to mix it with some big names at the front alongside Jamie Wincup and of course the Gold Coast 600. Lots of Ritz, lots of glamour, lots of good-looking girls. Maybe the international field could be bolstered by some bigger names, but regardless, it's still a fantastic initiative, and those four things are the things that have got me salivating the most. Mm, Jacob, of course, what they do is they then announce that they're going to have, you know, a just-retired or a current Formula 1 driver in the field next week and makes us look like gooses. <laughs> I hope they do that. That would be great. But So I guess I'll add that to the list of things I'm looking forward to, is being proven wrong about the... the big name drivers at uh, the Gold Coast 600. I'm also looking forward to David Reynolds' first win and Tim Slade's first win because I think both of those are going to come this year. Have you been reading my Speed Cafe column? (laughs) (laughs) I might have been. No, I haven't been. uh, We should have been. (laughs) Well, you know, great minds think... I don't need to read it. We think the same anyway, see? Okay. And um, obviously I'm going to look forward to Bathurst as well, although I think differently to Chris on this because I actually think there's only three cars that are capable of winning that that uh, that race this year and that's if and that's only if one of the drivers is actually able able to drive so uh, I'm really looking forward to Bathurst but again I think there's only three cars that can win that race Hold on which is the one that's able to drive So Jason Bright and Jason Richards they're one of the three cars that can win if Jason Richards is, is oh. able to drive and, and we all hope that he will be um, the other cars that can win are Scofen Rounds, Winterbottom and Richard, and maybe an outside Rick Kelly with Owen Kelly. That car probably needs a different co-driver if it's going to be a contender. But, yeah, they're the three cars that can win Bathurst, and they're going to be the podium. Gee, what do you think of the Andrew Thompson call with Jamie Wink up there, Chris? Well, I mean, you know, they've... Um 
Andrew hasn't led a V8 Supercar Championship race, and he's going to have to do that in order to win the V8 Supercar 1000, isn't he? So, um, well, the, the Super Cheap Auto Bathurst 1000, but yeah, Andrew is uh, a very capable driver doing brilliant things in the Fujitsu Series, but this is an altogether different uh, race, and uh, he's going to have to dig deep and resist the temptation to... Uh, to go racing uh, with some of the guys around him who are vastly more experienced and have led races at, at the mountain before. So I think that's one of the, the most intriguing combinations of uh, the entire event. Guys, it's great to catch up with you and uh, we hope some of those crystal balling ideas will get up in the future. But uh, one thing's for sure, it's going to be a great season ahead. Indeed. Thanks very much to uh, Chris Jewell and Jacob Black. My thanks to Andrew Clark, Adrian Mussolino and, of course, there too, Jacob and also Chris Jewell. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders... Keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.